Welcome to Hope for the Heart. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. And today, as last week, we are in Revelation chapter 12. A very difficult chapter to uh, try to teach from as far as making it sermonic. Uh, But I will try to get through this the best way I can, and that is just to cover uh, as much of this as, as, as possible as we work our way through it. So bear with me, and I want to read with you, uh, to you uh, the context for today. It's found in Revelation chapter 12. And I'm only going to read, uh, I'm not going to read the verse, first two verses. We've already covered that, I think, in detail. I want to begin in verse 3. So the Word of God reads, beginning in Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. <clears throat> and another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept across a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child who is to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Well, you can tell just by reading that, if you've not been uh, following along, that it is a difficult section to try to explain. But as we go through this, I'm going to uh, hopefully uh, share some things with you that uh, will explain it. We've been looking at this text. It's a very rich text, and it introduces us to the War of the Ages that has been going on since the beginning of time with Satan and God. And we've been talking about this, and we're going to again talk about it. But this last week, we we looked at the section that is basically verse 3 alone uh, in looking at and introducing uh, the great red dragon. In fact, I think the title of last week's message was uh, Exposing the Great Red Dragon. As far as his identity and some of the activities that he's engaged in. And so we take this text and we we have moved along in in a way that we can begin to see that this uh, time period in which we're dealing with is the tribulation period. In fact, it's pretty much all of the tribulation period since uh, it is a kind of an interlude here, chapters 12, 13, and 14. We're in the, the blowing of the seventh trumpet and we won't see the completion of that Uh, as far as the results of that on earth until we get to chapter 15 and 16. So this section takes us all the way back to creation, if you will, all the way back into eternity and the fall of Lucifer. Uh, And then it brings us all the way forward into the time of the Great Tribulation so that we will view tribulation not only from God's perspective, but we will begin to see a lot of the activities that might explain some of the things that are found in in tremendous chapters like Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17. Those two just come to my mind right up front. So we're looking at Satan's activities, and uh, we already know the role of God and, and the enterprise of God. We already know the activity of God in the judgments and the work of salvation. Uh, and so this is going to be at the coming together, this tribulation period, uh, of the worst possible imaginable events from God's side and from Satan's activities. By the time we come back through chapter 12, 13, 14, and hit 15, we'll pick up where the seventh trumpet left off in chapter 11, 
we will have really a full-blown picture of what has gone on in the time of the tribulation leading up to the blowing of the seventh trumpet. So with that in mind, I I want to kind of get into this because there is so much here. The arch enemy of God obviously is Satan. He's been trying ever since the rebellion to destroy the purposes of God. And one of the things I, I think is very important to see at the outset here is that Satan hates God and does everything he can to possibly uh, change or distort or ruin his purposes. First, he's attempted to destroy uh, the paradise of heaven and he's uh, tried to overthrow the throne and, of course, he was cast out. And so in order to understand the text, we presented last week that it's built around characters. And so we've already looked at, if you look at chapter 12, verse 1, a sign appeared in heaven and we looked at the woman. and said, <clears throat> excuse me, that the woman is Israel. And then it says she was with child, so she's in labor, about to give birth. And then it suddenly introduces us to a third uh, sign, or another sign in heaven. Uh, Behold, a great red dragon, which is verse 3, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And so this is the, the beginning of this section that we're dealing with as far as understanding just a little bit beyond the woman being Israel and the child we mentioned just briefly as obviously the Messiah, uh, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, the, the male child. But the dragon is, is represented in, is another sign in heaven in which we are to look at because it's already described for us the, the woman and the, the way she's dressed, and we've, so we've gone over that. And then all of a sudden in comes this dragon, and so we've been uh, exposing him, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour the child. So this dragon is, 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 is not a real dragon. I mean, it's not a dragon. In other words, it's not saying Satan is a dragon. We looked at that briefly last week. Satan is a spirit being, and the image here is of a red dragon, and it's a sign pointing to the reality, symbolizing his uh, being and his work and his activity. And by the way, Satan is called a dragon, we said some 13 times in the book of Revelation. Uh, a dragon is very terrifying. In fact, we looked at some of the things that... Uh, uh, we, we looked at some of the ways that Scripture has identified him, like Ezekiel 29 uh, and, and, and other places. And the Pharaoh, of even of Egypt, is the enemy of God. Pharaoh there is called a great sea monster, a great dragon. And the great dragon was thrown down in the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan. Very clearly, it's the imagery is divine as who he really is. And so that is something that has been presented to us uh, through the text, is the great red dragon is actually Satan himself. And so, Satan is further described in some very interesting ways in verse 3. Fierce, deadly, dangerous, he's a killer. Uh, He's got, but it says he has seven heads, and on his seven heads are seven diadems or crowns, or royal crowns, so that this thing that John sees is this massive, red, fierce reptile like some sea monster, and he has seven heads. We say, well, what is that all about? Well, we, we learned, we're going to learn more about that in chapter 17 of Revelation because there it's going to describe them for us and give us a, a better picture of this. But we've also seen it in Daniel. Uh, but it, we, we know from Daniel in Revelation chapter 17 that this is seven worldly kingdoms. 
uh, and Satan is over them all. He is depicted as the seven-headed monster who rules the world. Now, we don't see him ruling the world. We see men ruling the world. And this is what is so fascinating to me. Satan is behind all of these world empires, making uh, decisions or or impacting decisions and and leading in in some of these things. These seven heads represent the seven kingdoms of the past, and we'll go into those again in Revelation chapter 17. But then it also says he has ten horns. Horns represent strength and power. Uh, And animal horns are its weapons. It's an indication of power and strength, and we find them, once again, in Revelation, trying to explain this. And I almost thought about taking Revelation 12, this section, and Revelation 17, but I think that would have just been a little bit too confusing. So, suffice it to say that Daniel chapter 7, uh, we read about this. Daniel describes the final form of the world rule, in, in pictures of ten kings. He describes them as ten horns in chapter 7, verse 7, and again in verse 20, and in verse 24. The ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. And so those ten kings are the final form of the world rule with a ten-king confederacy. Uh, this gets very complicated for some people, and it's, uh, but we're going to try to explain some of that uh, beginning today, and then we'll go into next time. We'll learn about that more uh, more vividly in, in Revelation chapter 17. But the point that I mentioned last week and the point again today is that uh, the point here is that Satan is represented as dominating the world. The seven heads with crowns indicates that he has been the ruler of all the kingdoms of the world, past, present, and future. And the ten horns representing ten kings show that in the final form of the world rule, he will dominate it all. Satan is behind the scenes ruling the world. Now, it's hard for us to see because you read history, you look at the news, you see men, you see people, uh, but they're being influenced by Satan. Satan has ruled the world. He will, will rule the world until the blowing of the seventh trumpet, uh, which we saw in chapter 11 of Hebrew of Revelation. And then the kingdom of this world will become totally the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. So Satan, through all these centuries, has been operating through the world system, uh, been very much trying to do away with the death of the woman, wanting to destroy Israel. That's been his effort. We've mentioned that last week. He's inflicted incredible uh, uh, wounds and pain. But But I want you to stop right here and tell you just something about Satan that is important for us to understand. And Number one is Satan is not sovereign. God is sovereign. Satan is allowed to do certain things, permitted to do certain things. God's plan from the beginning has been to include uh, sin and to include Satan's activities. But Satan himself is not sovereign. You must remember that it is God that is sovereign. But this battle between God and Satan, which has continually gone on and will continue to go on until the blowing of this seventh trumpet in the future. Until, and then, then it will stop. But it, it goes on, on a, this, this uh, continuous battle is going on, and it's done on several different levels. I, I, I wish I could take more time to try to explain this. But I know when you read the pages of history, when you watch the, the news at night, try watching the news and think about the fact that, it, ask yourself this question. Is Satan influencing 
these meetings? Is Satan influencing these leaders? Is Satan influencing decisions, uh, perhaps, of, of Russia invading Ukraine? Is, is that a decision that's being powered by Satan himself? What about the attacks of Israel? What about the, the Arab coalition of states coming against Israel? And you can ask yourself these And you can begin to understand Satan is behind all of this. It goes on, this war goes on on a supernatural level. It goes on between the angels and it goes on in the earth. Next week we're going to see how it happens in the heavens. But it happens on a moral level, dealing with individuals, and on an ideological level, dealing with, with governments and officials. Maybe even a theological level dealing with ministry and preachers and churches teaching the Word of God. It's also on a philosophical level. In other words, this war is going on on levels of every conceivable way that affects human beings. And we don't even see it. We don't recognize it. We think sometimes because we hear certain things that Satan himself is sovereign and he's winning the battle. But he's not. So we, we can see this as happening in every conceivable level in the human and the super superhuman realm. The whole world uh, is is experiencing this. The world war. This whole war is going to reach its great climax in the future day known as tribulation, and that's not happened yet. It's coming. There is coming a day in the future after the church has been called away in the rapture in which the world will receive seven years of the wrath of God. We've been learning about it through Revelation 6 through 11. And so this is an amazing thing to look at. But we can see the works of Satan. When you really get into the scriptures, in fact, this says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, there appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, and then look down at uh, verse uh, verse 9 of the same chapter. It says, And the great red dragon was thrown down, and here it describes him, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So we know this is Satan. And so when you read certain passages of Scripture, you can see Satan's activity. You can see it as clear as anything there. And you don't even have to read Satan in there. You can read it as actually being correct, the great red dragon, uh, like Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, God has said, and so there goes this conversation. But we know it is Satan behind that. This great red dragon is behind the scenes there working to uh, draw this Eve and Adam into a a rebellion against God. And so it becomes very clear that he is operating and influencing decisions throughout the world. Look at Cain and Abel. I want to just give you an example of this. Cain and Abel, you know, the the very first two, the children of of, uh, Adam and Eve, Uh, or maybe not the first, but they are children of Adam and Eve. Well, you know, Cain killed Abel. Well, why did he kill him? And and if you throw that into a Bible study group, most everybody would say, well, jealous. He was jealous. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept Cain's. Abel was a saint. He He was told and he was obeying God. Abel was an obedient man. Abel did God's will. Abel was one of God's people. What happens? 
Cain killed him. But when you look at 1 John chapter First uh, John chapter 3, verse 12, there's a little verse there that says this, Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. Meaning this, Cain was working as an agent of Satan. From the very beginning, Satan was doing everything he could to kill saints. He even used Cain. The warfare has been going on a long time. Genesis 6, you can follow this. There would be, this would be a good uh, book to track trace this thread all the way through the Bible. And this thread will even go into chapter 6 of Genesis where uh, Satan sends his demons uh, to the earth to possess men and form this bizarre cohabitation with women to produce an unredeemable race of people that God has to drown in the worldwide flood. Satan did everything conceivable to corrupt the people. Little did he know that God was going to save and rescue Noah and his family. But th these kinds of stories go all the way through the Bible. Uh, Satan has always been fighting God for control of the universe. He wants to rule. He hates God. He wants to destroy God's purposes. He wants to destroy God's people. And if you're a, a child of God now, you're a believer, Satan would love to destroy you. Destroy your vocal, your focus, your vision. Interrupt your quiet times, your Bible study, your, your testimony, anything to char your testimony and to ruin your, your ministry and speaking for Christ. He's fighting for his very life because he knows the Bible better than us. And he knows what his destiny is and he knows he doesn't win. But you see, we're a child of God, so he wants to hurt us. He, because he always wants to hurt God, even though he's not going to win. He's going to hurt and bring evil and bring harm to as many as possible. He knows the Bible. He knows that he doesn't succeed in this. You go through the Bible and you can see so many places where he is behind the scenes working. The story of Moses is phenomenal. How Joseph died, the Bible says, but there arose a new Pharaoh that that uh, did not know Joseph and his family. Well, he brings on, on a whole different plot to destroy uh, and to control the population because he says these people might, might end up destroying us one day. And so he tries to kill all the male babies. Well, God saves all the male babies. They, they don't die uh, because the midwives did not obey. They obeyed God. Pharaoh wanted to do something. And so we see in that one story, Pharaoh was an agent of Satan. Pharaoh was a representative of the dragon, of the ultimate dragon. You say, is that really true? Yes, it is. And you go through this and through this, and you begin to see Satan is influencing major decisions, minor decisions, many, many, many of the decisions in the Word of God. Satan was doing everything he could to wipe out the Jews. Satan has already tried. I mean, he tried to prevent Abraham from having a son of promise, tried to destroy Jacob, tried to kill the line of Judah, tried to take Israel captive and eliminate the ten tribes later on in a divided kingdom. Everywhere, it's all Satan working and maneuvering. The arch enemy of, of God is also the arch enemy of Israel. He tried to destroy the Jews through pagan kings, and God used judges to deliver them. What an incredible incredible thing to look at when we look at this. The dragon tried to get Saul, you remember King Saul, to murder David of all things. The first king tried to get the first king of Israel to murder the second king of Israel. 
man, it's and and these stories just go on and on and on. But but that's all in verse three. But look at verse four. Verse four, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. Uh, you go back in, into this and you can see what he's telling us. The dragon fell out of heaven and took with him a third of the angels. That's what this is saying. That leaves two-thirds left, which means the forces of God are double that of Satan. He has only one-third. God has two-thirds. This takes us back to the original rebellion. When Satan fell, <clears throat> he did take a third of the angels. So it's not just him against Israel. It's all of them against Israel. It's all of them against uh, the, the forces of good or God's saints. And there's an uncounted number of thousands of thousands of thousands of these. In fact, there's so many. In fact, you read Revelation. We just read it in, in Revelation chapter 9. 200 million of them are released from the Euphrates, added to what's already working in the world today. And so you know there are a lot of demons working <clears throat> all to disrupt God's plan. Because you see, Satan is not sovereign. He cannot read minds. He cannot determine ways to defeat God. He just can't. But look at verse 4. The, uh, again, look at verse 4. The tail swept away the third of the stars. In other words, he has a third of the angels that became demons with him. And then it says, And the dragon stood, <clears throat> excuse me, stood before the woman who was about to give birth. So that when she gave birth, he might devour her son, her child. He had every he had these efforts to wipe out that line. He couldn't wipe out the line, so he wanted to destroy the child. He wanted to devour, and really that means to eat like a dragon would, to consume, totally dispose of him. And he tried. There was Herod. You remember Herod came and along and wanted to kill every every baby boy in that time. And there there are so many attempts there, but he couldn't do it. Uh, <clears throat> the 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 Magi who left went home a different way. Uh, they tried. People have tried to wipe out the Messiah, being influenced by Satan. Satan, uh, the great red dragon, trying to eat the child just after he's been born, before he could accomplish his work. You find, for example, in the fourth chapter of Luke, Jesus is preaching in Nazareth, his own town, verse 28, in the synagogue. They were filled with rage. Who? The people of the city. They heard these things. They rose up and they cast him out of the city. They led him to the, the, uh, the hill or the cliff. And the city was built on in order to throw him down the cliff, but he passed through their midst. God protected him. I mean, he, he was not going to be had early. Satan wanted him dead there, and he couldn't kill him. That's a wonderful thing, <clears throat> is to be able to read this and to see, number one, how bad Satan wanted him, but two, how totally impossible it was. He was not going to get anything done. Satan said to, uh, to Jesus in the wilderness, in the temptation, throw yourself off the temple. If you're the Son of God tempting him, the Bible says he gave his angels charge concerning you. Throw yourself off. I believe Satan's hope was that Christ would do just that and be destroyed. He did everything he could to devour the child. And here's the thing. He could not devour the child. You look at modern times. I think he's always tried. He tried to keep him in the tomb. He couldn't do that. In modern times, he goes on the, 
the, the Israel, the woman, is still being attacked. I mean, you look at it and you think, why are so many people after this little tiny nation over there called Israel? Why? In France and Germany, the Jews were blamed for the Black Plague, torturously treated. The year Columbus discovered America in 1492, that same year, Spain drove every Jew out of the nation. The Roman Catholic Inquisition slaughtered Jews in the name of Jesus Christ. And the numbers of them are being counted beyond what we can even imagine. Massacred in the name of Jesus. Uh, you, you can just read. Oh, then, then, then come on, came along Hitler. You remember that? And of course, I know I'm leaving out so many because there's too many to cover. Hitler and six million Jews that he massacred. Uh, Satan can't kill the woman. He cannot kill the woman. He cannot kill the child. He can't kill the hope of the kingdom. He can't kill or touch the child. Satan, is believe, believe you me, has tried. So uh, notice what verse 4 says. The dragon stood before Israel, the woman, who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he could destroy. He, but he didn't. So then look at what it says in verse 5. He was going to destroy the child. Well, look at verse 5. She gave birth to a son. Yes, a male child. Yes, Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, who is to rule all nations, who is to rule future all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God. What? Her child was caught up to God? The ascension. So there is a lot of time between here. The birth of Christ being around 33 A.D. She gave birth to the child, 33 A.D., who is to rule the nations and was called up to God. So that is the ascension. And then it jumps to verse 6, which is not, doesn't just jump. I mean, it jumps in time, but the verse 6 is the next verse. And then it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. Now, this is, I'm going to have to explain this one a little later. But this is basically talking about the midway point of the tribulation period. It is a, a, actually a tremendous section here. Now, we've already looked at the child being the Messiah. But the thing is, she is to, this child is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Well, what is that? What is this? This is the kingdom. This is what the kingdom is about. In, in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, Isaiah said it. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is the son, and he is in every sense a son of the woman, is he not? The son of Abraham, tribe of Judah, star, scepter of, of Jacob, and descendant of David. Jesus was a Jew, and the woman gave birth to that child. This refers to the birth of Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And here in verse 5, you see the incarnation. In spite of Satan's efforts, he was called up to God through the resurrection. Amazing. He couldn't, he couldn't touch him. So we see immediately there is the coronation, the child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's directly out of Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is a reminder of the book of Revelation. It's quoted numerous times. It's the coming of a son. There is coming a child begotten of God. The child will have the nations as his inheritance. The very ends of the earth is his possession and will break them with a rod of iron and, <clears throat> and shatter them uh, like earthenware. This is the son to whom 
you do homage or you perish in the way he says. That's what Psalm 2 is about. So the word rule there, would be interested to know, is from a, a word that means to shepherd or to pastor, to give guidance or to feed. That's what this is saying here. We, we tend to miss that. Uh, she gave birth, look at verse 5 of Revelation 12. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule. Rule there is to shepherd or pastor, give guidance, to feed, to lead, to guard. Uh, to guard. This is a, <clears throat> a tender side, uh, as you will, of his guardianship, his leadership, and his guiding, his feeding. But is also a rod of iron, an absolute rule. I think... I think it'll be a time when justice will be immediate and swift. God's biblically revealed moral order will be enforced by the Messiah. Man, imagine that. Imagine immediate resolution and justice right as it happened. Justice will be swift. It will be sure. It will be as God ordained it from the Scripture. So the child is born, you see the incarnation. He will rule with the rod of iron. You will see the coronation. The last component, verse 5, caught up is God in heaven. That's the exaltation. That's a little out of chronological order there, but it's exactly what he's talking about. Satan, Satan couldn't stop him from being born. He couldn't stop him from accomplishing redemption. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of the Father as the perfect Savior, he can't stop him from being coronated as king. He couldn't stop the child from being born. You know that. He couldn't kill him. He couldn't destroy him after he arrived. He couldn't do anything because Satan is not sovereign. He has no control. Now, again, verse 6 says, uh, and the woman fled. Well, this is 2,000 years later than the, than the ascension. 2,000. So, in fact, this hadn't happened yet. This is going to happen midway through the tribulation period, and we're going to see that as we get into that a little later. But what are, what are the in fact we're going to even take a look at this again as we get toward the end of chapter twelve. So these verses again are a reminder to us that Satan is behind the scenes working, he's influencing, he's he's uh, he's working constantly. My question to you is: Has there been anything in the news that you might recognize as being an activity where Satan could have been influencing decisions made? Anything in America, in foreign lands, whether it be France, whether it be Israel, whether it be Russia, wherever it is. Could it be the, the uh, world uh, people meeting this last week, uh, globalists, globalism meetings that have been uh, having, uh, being held constantly? Is, is that being influenced by Satan? Well, I think so. I think it's very much so. I think all of this is very much being influenced by Satan. I think the whole world scene, I think America is being, uh, the decisions being made in America right now, whether it's abortion, whether it's evil, shooting up a school, whatever it is, is being influenced by the evil that is present. Let me ask you a question that's personal. Is there any way Satan could be influencing your decisions or your choices you know, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world, meaning Christ in you is stronger and more powerful than the Satan in the world. 
So who's winning? Are you spending time in God's Word? Are you actually praying and seeking His His opinion, God's opinion, that is? Or is Satan influencing you to where you feel lazy? You don't feel like opening your Bible. You don't feel like reading today. Do you think it's any accident? You don't have the energy to do that? You don't have the will to do that? No, it's all designed by Satan to keep you, to distance you from the Word of God. Folks, thank you for joining us today. For now, this is William Rogers. I know I could go on and on like this. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. But I will pick it up next time. But thank you for joining us today. For next time, we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through uh, 12. And that is an amazing section. I can't wait for you to get there. And I can't wait to get there and to hear what I've got to say. Because I don't know what I'm going to say at this point. Thank you so much for joining us.